Welcome to the Every Nation Taipei Podcast. We're here to help you know God, discover your purpose, grow in your relationships, and make a difference in Taipei, Taiwan, and beyond. We hope this message encourages you today. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and, and get into the word. Today is also a, a special day because we are um, finishing up our series on um, live, called "Living Forward." It's our summer series, so this is the last Sunday. I know you're all sad, uh, but living <laughs> I can see all the sadness in, in your hearts. Living Living Forward is based on First uh, Peter chapter one verse eighteen, and uh, and the scripture there. Let's see, I think I can pull it up. Yes. Um, it says, your life is a journey, and you must travel with a deep consciousness of God. We are meant to walk this life like Adam and Eve walked in the Garden of Eden, where God would come down every day, in the best time of the day, the cool of the day, and he would walk with them. And just have conversations about life, and about how to take care of the garden, and how to take care of his wife and how to, how, to, how to handle her husband. But, you know, they would just have these walks and talks with God. And the Bible says they, they didn't even yet have a knowledge of good and evil because God was their source of good and evil. And they just assumed whatever God said was good and whatever he said not to do was, was evil. And God wants to draw us back into that place of walking with him. And so Peter says, we need to, as we go, as we live forward in this life, as we journey in this life, we need this deep sense of a, this deep consciousness of God. Sergeant Korkegaard said this, he said, life is best understood looking backward. And so we've gone back through the lives of, of great Christian saints and we've heard testimonies from some great living saints as they've just recounted their experiences. And then what were the lessons that we could then apply looking forward because life is best experienced looking forward. And so we want to live forward, but with the wisdom from the past. And so now we're going to come to our, our last, um, our, our last uh, uh, sermon today. And uh, a few weeks ago, when I was preaching, was maybe a couple months ago now, I was showing pictures of some of the mountains in Taiwan, which Taiwan has amazing mountains. I mean, you look at the, some of the photos and you think, man, is that the Alps or is that the Rocky Mountains? They're just beautiful mountains. And this is not Taiwan. Um, this is Mount Everest, the tallest mountain in the world. Uh, some can, can confuse it for, uh, for Taiwan. But recently I was, I was watching a, a little YouTube video and there's, there were these women who were climbing this mountain and as they were climbing, a storm hit the mountain. And so they're hunkering down and, and from up the mountain, the storms, the winds were blowing, blizzards were up there. Uh, it was just a, a, a devastating situation. And they, they actually caught video of some of the, the fel their fellow climbers who had died up the mountain in the storm and just saw their bodies rolling down the mountain, seeing them go past. There's nothing you can do in those moments. And when you try to climb Mount Everest, I don't know anyone who's climbed Mount Everest, but I know guys who just have climbed to the base camp at Mount Everest. And just doing that takes months of training to get your body ready to withstand those altitudes. And so much more when you go to the higher elevations because just minutes of exposure to those elevations, if you're not properly dressed and physically prepared, can result in death. If you get a simple, the air is so dry there, if you cough, your, your ribs crack. And so it's just this, this, um, 
this place of, of high-level adversity. And so we're going to be talking about adversity today, but there's these two books that were written about. I remember reading these back in the, um, around 2000, late 90s. Uh, one's called Into Thin Air, and the other's Left for Dead by two of these guys who, on May 10th, 1996, uh, were on expeditions, two different expeditions, climbing Mount Everest. And that, that day, actually, five teams went up Mount Everest, 31 people. And then a storm hit, uh, just as they were up into that, what they call the, the death zone, up above 18,000 feet. And uh, some escaped, but eight people died that day on the mountain. Another one died later. They thought initially that nine died on that mountain because as they started to, to look for people and, and try to find the people who were there, uh, they came across one guy, Beck Weathers, who wrote Left for Dead. And, uh, and they, they, when they came upon him, uh, both a doctor and a rescue team worker, they came on him and they both determined that he was gone. He was in what they call a hypothermic uh, coma, which normally, which is difficult to, to your body just shuts down because it gets so cold that everything just shuts down. And, and it's pretty rare to, to recover from that anytime. But when you're up there at height in Mount Everest, um, almost anything can kill you. So hypothermic coma is certain death. And so they came by, checked on him. In fact, they called his wife and said, your husband passed away. He died on the mountain. And when people die on the mountain like that, they just leave them because there's no way to carry them down. So there's bodies of people um, uh, littering the, the mountain there. And that's the, the, all you can do is leave them there. And so you have these, these bodies that they, they leave up there. But Beck Weathers was in a, a hypothermic coma for 15 hours. And then all of a sudden, he woke up. He says, I don't know why I woke up. Sometimes I think it's a spiritual thing, like, you know, like, that God, the greater power woke me up. And sometimes I think it's just a physical thing. Something kicked in. But somehow after 15 hours of being left for dead in a hypothermic coma, he got up and started making his way down the mountain. Lost both hands, lost part of his nose. I mean, just, uh, uh, you know, just... In, incredible that he survived at all. No, nobody expected him to survive. But, but how, how does one person survive something like that and where, where others die? And so they, they developed this thing called the adversity quotient. How well do you respond to adversity? So we have IQ, which is intelligence quotient, and how smart are you? We have EQ, which is emotional quotient, which is how well do you read other people's emotions and how well are you in touch with your own emotions? But AQ is how well do you um, respond to adversity? And, and there's many who say that actually the greatest measure of success is not IQ or EQ, but it's AQ. Because all of us will face adversity of all different kinds in our lives. And so today we want to look at, at this, this thing called adversity and how do we as Christians respond to adversity? Because in your life's journey, you will, re, you will get adversity of all different kinds, mild levels of adversity, deep levels of adversity, life-threatening adversity, uh, and adversity is just bothersome. But how you respond to adversity makes all the difference with how you triumph in life. And so we're talking about advancing through adversity because as we live forward my parting message to you is that you know through the good times we all sell easily but when adversity hits us those are the things that determine what kind of people we become and what kind of lives we live and what kind of impact we have in life so we're going to be looking at advancing 
through adversity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we invite you here today. And we open our hearts and just say, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Because, Father, today we don't want to just be uh, inspired or informed or instructed, but truly we want to be transformed, that, that the kind of transformation that comes when we, when we hear your voice speaking spirit to spirit to our spirits. And so today, Lord God, even if we don't understand it, Lord, we just say, come and do it, Lord Jesus. There's so many things in life, Lord, that, that we don't understand, even about just the ways that you've made us, Lord, and the ways that we function or what's going to happen tomorrow. But, Lord, we trust you. And so in this moment, Lord God, even if we don't understand how your voice speaks to us and how we're transformed by you speaking to us, we just say, Lord God, you come and do it. You come and speak to my spirit and transform me to be more like you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so quick overview of what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be looking at two types of adversity. Adversity in the community we are building. So as a church here, you look around, there, we have really kind of diverse people. From, and and if, you, if you met some new people during the green time, which I hope you did, you're going to find that we have people from kind of all over the world, from all different backgrounds. Some of them look Taiwanese, but they end up being from America. They you know? <laughs> can't speak Chinese and have no clue about, you know, uh, Taiwanese culture. Um, but but, but we're, we believe we're brought together for a purpose. And that when we come together, God wants to form a community here. He calls it a body. He calls it a building. He says the church is not just a bunch of people meeting in a room. But he actually wants to form us together for a purpose. And we believe that if you're here today, it's because God's spirit is drawing you. And he's orchestrating things for you to be here in this moment. And God wants to do something in your life. Even if you're here for just a day, just today. Or if you're here with us for the journey. God has a place and a plan for you. And so how do we build this community together? And we're going to look at that because oftentimes community happens through adversity. And oftentimes the adversities that we have are because of one another, you know? And so how do we build, how do we handle, how do we advance through adversity in the community that we're building? But also, how do we advance through adversity in the communities that we are reaching? Because all of us have different communities that God's placed us in outside of this, the church that God calls us to reach. And that's why we live in the places we live. That's why we work or, and go to school in the places that we work and go to school. It's because there are people there that God wants you to bring to Jesus or to bring Jesus to. And so how do we advance the gospel, the message of Jesus, the heart of Jesus, through adversity in the communities that we are reaching, that God has called us to reach, all right? So adversity in the community we are building. And today we're going we're gonna to look at this uh, through the life of Stephen. Because in our, our daily Bible reading, we've been going through Acts and this, this week. And if you're not on the daily Bible reading, I want to encourage you to jump on, to, to become a part and just read in there. Um, join with us as we read through. Uh, and if you're on but you haven't been reading, I want to encourage you read so you know take um take your phone um, you know into into the into your library uh, the place where you brush your teeth and you wash your hands um and read you know um but but it just takes a few minutes uh, every day just to to read what we're reading and, and um and then if god places something in your heart just put it put something in the comment section or read other people's comments um but let's read together and so this past week we're reading through the book of acts 
And we've been reading about this guy, Stephen. And he only is in two chapters uh, of, of the Bible, Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter 7, which we, we read earlier this week. And as we're reading that, I was talking with my wife and, and about the things, and, and we're saying, yeah, you got to preach on that. And so I always listen to my wife. <laughs> Good man, yes. But really, you know, he's, he's a man who finished his life well. We don't know too much about how he started his life, but we know he finished well. And so I wanted to end this series with the, the, the story of a life of someone who finished well. And what were the ingredients in his life that helped him to finish well? So we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 6 and chapter 7. Acts chapter 6 verse 1, it says, As the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. So there was growth happening. People were coming. The people were, were hearing about the church, meeting Jesus, uh, being invited to church. And just seemed like a happening place, a growing place. Three, it, they started out the first day of church with 3,000 people. And then they grew from there. And the growth, so the church was just multiplying, multiplying. It was, it was growing rapidly. But in the midst of all this growth and new people coming and excitement of people meeting Jesus and, and learning that Jesus was their Messiah. Because most of the people who were coming to Christ were Jews who had for generations, for centuries, heard of a coming Messiah who is going to fulfill all the promises of Scripture. And so they heard these stories that Jesus is the Messiah. And everything you've hoped for, the hopes and dreams of a nation, the hopes and dreams of generations are going to be fulfilled through the Messiah. So it was an exciting time for them coming together. And if you've ever experienced Jesus speaking to you or experienced the presence of God in fellowship, you just know there's, there's this sense of, wow, a buzz, like, man, I, I heard something from God. I heard something that changed my life today that really encouraged me and, and sort of fed my soul. And, 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 and I've just experienced this joy of being with other people like that. And so this is what's happening. But in the middle of that, there's rumblings of discontent. Why? Because even though we become Christians, we're still human. And even though our sins are forgiven, we still got sin. And we all struggle with sin. Well, most of us, you know. No, all of us struggle with sin. We also have those broken, rough edges in our life that, you know, just cause friction in our lives. It's like you ever had a, a nail that like cracks, a fingernail, and, and then it just catches on everything, and it scratches everything, and everything you touch gets scratched, and every piece of cloth that you rub it on gets that you're, you're pulling these threads, you're scratching people, and, and that's where we're all kind of broken like that. So we scratch, and we, we damage stuff. And we damage each other and we hurt each other. And, and this is what it's like also to be in community, in the family of God. And so these rumblings of discontent. So those who are discontent just left. No, that's not actually what happened. But here's what happened. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So, so here they have uh, a cultural and a language um, conflict, barrier. And in our church, this is what we have. You know, we have people whose, their native language is not English. And they come from different backgrounds. And sometimes it's not always easy to understand. And, and, and even more so, even when we speak English, we used to say this about uh, like our British friends, you know, where we're divided by a common language. And we think we're saying the same thing when we're not saying the same thing. Uh, the words all sound the same, but we don't understand each other at all because we come from the same language, different cultures. And so here they had this, and, and, and what did it lead to? It led, these, these differences of culture and language felt, led to one group feeling like they were being discriminated against. Have you ever felt like you're part of a group being discriminated against? 
you know, all of us walk through that. Whether it's a cultural difference, an economic difference, a language difference, you know, um, whatever it might be, ethnic differences, all of us walk through these times in our lives where we feel like we're being discriminated against, like we're the outsiders. I don't know if you ever felt like the outsider. I feel like the outsider many times, just in life. And so the Bible says here in, the, in the, that first church where God was just moving and people were actually like selling properties and bringing the money to the church to help take care of each other and all sharing together. But somewhere in there, there were people who felt like they were the outsiders and the, the Greek widows. And so the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. So, so the complaints got up to the 12. And, and in church, there's going to be complaints because there's going to be brokenness and there's going to be stuff that aren't right. But the complaints got up to the 12 leaders. And that's where complaints should go. You have a complaint in this church, you should go to a leader and say, hey, you know, I feel like this thing. And, and go to someone who could do something about it. So they're thinking that 12 guys, that they're the ones who need to take care of this. And so they went to the people who were in charge, the people who could do something about it. Because otherwise it's just gossip, right? And it's just being shared to make us feel better or make someone else feel bad. But you go to the person who's responsible and you talk to them, right? And you, you have it out. And so this is where the complaints got up to the 12. And so they called the meeting. All the believers came together. The community came together. And they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God and not running a food program. So thank you, Salt, for running a food program. Uh, <laughs> but you know, each of us, we, we all have different responsibilities. The Bible, the, the, the body of Christ is made up, the Bible says, of many members, and each one has their part. And we have to know is what is our part? We all have to have a servant heart. When needed, we serve. But they said, you know, we have a whole body of people here. Thousands have come to Christ. And so now we're gathered together. We think some, there's other people who could take care of this better than we can. All right? So that's what they're saying here. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. So he said, now, now, now the body of Christ, you go look for, for people. And you go find. And so we're all a part of this. It's not just the leader saying, well, this person should do that and that person should do this. But there's the body of Christ saying, hey, there's, there's someone here who's got a gift. And there's someone here who can, who can help take care of, uh, of a problem and help address the problem. But they're looking for people who are well-respected, full of the Spirit and wisdom. And so if you want to be a person who's used of God, who can step in when there's a need, which should be the heart of all of us, as a reflection of who God is. Then here's how you prepare yourself for that. Number one, live your life in a way that can be respected, that people will speak well of you. Number two, be full of the Holy Spirit. Get more of God's Spirit inside of you. And some of these things you may not understand. Well, how does that happen? What do we do? Well, do two things that are simple. One is, is prayer. Just talk to God and say, God, I want more of your Spirit. And you may not have any clue what that is or what that looks like or how it happens. It's okay because actually God knows. So you can just ask him. And every morning you wake up, just say, God, I want more of your spirit. I want more wisdom. The Bible says, whoever, if you want the spirit and you ask God, your heavenly father, for the spirit of God, he's going to give it to you. And he also says, anybody who lacks wisdom, ask God for it. He doesn't say, how are you going to get it? He just says, ask. But we do, we do know in the scriptures that two of the ways are reading the scriptures and prayer. So simply ask God. And then that's what prepares you for responsibility. Everyone liked this idea. And they chose the following. Stephen, 
a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch. And if I had seven kids, those, those are the names I'd choose, for sure. <laughs> An earlier convert of the Jewish, to the Jewish faith. What's interesting is all these guys have Greek names. It's all of them came from Greek background. And so they would, be, don't, they would know well the culture of the Greek widows who are feeling neglected. And they would feel an instant bond and a connection to them. And so we all have to look at our past and look at our culture and look at the, 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 the experiences we've had because all that you are is a gift from God. And even the junk parts of who you are, the Bible says the parts we think are you know, less noble, the Bible says even those parts God is going to use in the most noble ways. And so oftentimes, it's the area of brokenness and sin in our lives that God will use the most to help others who have that same brokenness and sin. Because I can tell you this, if you struggle with any kind of a sin, or you've experienced any kind of brokenness or trauma in your past, God has people around you that are experiencing and struggling with the very same thing. And as God ministers to you in, in your struggles, you're going to find a, a bond and an encouragement with others who struggle in the same thing. And if God has ministered to you in a way that you've overcome and found grace in that area, then the same grace the Bible says that you've experienced, you can actually pass on to others in their struggles. And so there's a power in that. It's so powerful that, that I've seen people who have lost a loved one, who've gone through horrendous things like horrible accidents or, or, or um, deaths in the family. And where, where as they found grace and found God through those things, it's, that grace has become so strong in them that they immediately are able to help others. People who've been addicts, they immediately go and help others who've been addicts. People who struggle with anger or depression, people who used to struggle with, with, with debt and poverty and who God has let out, they're the ones who, they just go for people who are in debt and say, I can help you. In fact, oftentimes that becomes their ministry all, all, to the place that uh, you sometimes will hear um, that churches and Christians say, you know, I think God meant that for, for, for me to walk through that and God gave me that sickness so that I'd be able to help others with the same sickness. Uh, here's the truth. God doesn't give us sickness. God doesn't give us death, but God is so good that he can take what the enemy meant for hurt and what comes from living in a sin-broken world and is the fruit of sin in, in the world around us, and God can make it into something good. That's why Paul says, uh, so, so uh, you know, I get so much grace in the areas that I used to struggle with in sin. Should I just then go and sin more so that I can have more grace? You know, help more different kinds of people with different kinds of sin? He says, of course not, you know. But that's how good God is. That's how powerful God's goodness is. And we have to start to get that in our minds, that no matter how big the enemy you face is, God is bigger. Magnify, I love that song, Christ be magnified. Because no matter what happens in our life, as we magnify Christ, that is our only solution. Whatever we struggle with, if you struggle because you lack integrity, if you struggle because you're always insecure, as you begin to magnify Christ in the midst of your struggle, it allows God to come in and begin to help you in 
the area of your struggle. Because the Bible says this, that the areas that we open up when we walk in the light, as he is in the light, then all of a sudden fellowship, restoration comes, repentance comes, transformation begins to come into our lives. But we have to be willing to say, you know, this is what I struggle with. I mean, I was a horribly angry person when I was young. I used to love to fight and, you know, take a bat, try to hit somebody. Mostly my brothers. <laughs> but, but, you know, I just had a bad temper. And I used to, if, if something in, in, in school made me angry or, you know, then I wanted everybody to feel bad. You know, if, if in my family, you know, something happened to me and someone put me down, then I want to put down everybody. You know, that's just the way I grew up. But, but God has transformed me. And so now I love to encourage people. Whatever your area of struggle is, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really glad for brothers who called it out in me, who said, what is wrong with you? you know? <laughs> Why how come every time you're, 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 when you, when you're grumpy, you try to make everybody else grumpy? You know, keep it to yourself. You know? But it was that, that bringing it into the light. Sometimes I bring it into the light. You, it's always best if you bring it into the light yourself. But sometimes other people may bring it into the light. And you can either get mad at them or you can embrace that and say, you know what? I'll never get better until I embrace the bad things in my life and bring those into the light and just say, okay, God, you help me. You see, being a Christian and, and, and God redeeming our lives doesn't mean that we start to just make pretend like we don't have any struggles, make pretend like I don't do anything bad. Being a Christian means there's a freedom now to say, you know, I struggled in this, but I know that God is so good that he's going to help me. And, and as the body of Christ, we have to be the place where people can struggle. And it may get tough times. I mean, we, we, we might have it out, you know. My junk might rub you the wrong way, you know, and, and you need to call me out, my junk, and then I'm going to have to say, okay, God. But that's what gives us the ability to go through adversity because it comes in all different sizes. So these seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them, laid hands on them, sent them into, in, into ministering. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased. So as, the, as the, the church dealt with their issues, they were already increasing, but the Bible says that they increase even more as we come to unity. And so we know that this year for us is a year of a lot of change and transformation, but we also know that it's a year of acceleration. But acceleration comes by, by junk coming to the surface, and then we just have to deal with it. So I'm sorry if your junk comes to the surface. I'm sorry when my junk comes to the surface. I really apologize because I'm the leader you know, of the band. Um, but it's going to be part of God's process of aligning and accelerating us. Y'all okay with that? You want to go to a different church that's more nicer? <laughs> you know, it's okay. You know. Turn to your neighbor and say, yeah, I'm, 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 in, I'm in this. Yeah, I'm gonna, when your junk comes up, I'm going to still embrace you. Right? Tell, you just got you to gotta tell somebody. You know, just because we, when we say it, we commit to it, right? It's just good. It's just good for that to come out of our mouths. So God's message, even some of the, the, the Jewish priests were converted. But now what about adversity in the communities we're reaching? So Stephen, one of those guys, full of grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. The next week, as we go into our time of fasting and prayer, our theme this year is miracles. And we're just believing God for more miracles. 
We're going to cry out to God for miracles, which means that we'll face some things, situations in our lives where we need miracles. I'm sorry if you're going to be the one who needs the miracle but, and give us the opportunity to pray. But we are committed to believe God together for miracles in our lives and in our church because that's just the way the church grows. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to, to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, anyway, Jews from other places who come to Jerusalem. They were also outsiders. And he started debating with him. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So, you know, there's always those who just want to use the word to try to debate um, and to divide. But then Stephen just kept not shutting them down. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, we have heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders and the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, this man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses had handed down to us. How many know that was true? Jesus did say those things. And Jesus did change some of the laws and the customs. of. The so they're speaking truth. They're speaking facts. But they're speaking facts in order to divide and destroy. They're using facts. They're using scripture to attack rather than to build up. And it's all how we approach scripture and how we approach life that determines what we get out of life. When we approach life looking for Jesus, it changes everything. When we approach the word and saying, Jesus, what do you want to say to me? Rather than saying, what can I learn so that I can be smarter than somebody else and I can point out their faults? I want to know more of the law so I can point out everybody else's faults. And that's the difference between complaints and attacks. Attacks are, we just want to tear someone down. We just want to stir stuff up. A complaint is, there's a problem. And I want to go to the people who can help solve this problem. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. I love that. I don't know what that looks like, but I think it's amazing that his face, just they started saying, man, that, that guy... God's light is shining down on him. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusations and they took, shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. That's an amazing thing. So when everyone else was, was, was looking at, a, at an opponent, Stephen was looking at Jesus. And the question comes to us, when we're in times of adversity, when we're in times of conflict in our lives, are we looking for Jesus? Or are we looking for an enemy? Are we looking for someone to blame? Are we looking for a way to give up? Or are we looking for Jesus? He told them, look, I see the heavens open to Stephen and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. You know, it's amazing here. Stephen, he saw Jesus. It didn't prevent him from getting stoned. Not, I mean, not like drugs stoned, but like with real rocks. And seeing Jesus doesn't mean that you are going to be without adversity in your life. Sorry to say it, you know, we think, if I know Jesus, then I'm going to be rich and have a nice car and everything's going to go smooth. Not always. 
Sometimes you're going to have to be like Jesus, bear a cross so that others can be healed. Sometimes it's going to take sacrifice. His accusers took off their coats, laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul, and as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Let's see. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with the sin. And with that, he died. And I love how his words are such an echo of Jesus' words on the cross. He spent so much time with Jesus that his words and his responses reflected Jesus. That in the moment of his deepest pain, he didn't see, he wasn't focused on his pain. He wasn't focused on the people attacking him. He saw Jesus. And so the question that comes to us is, in every situation in life, do we see Jesus? Do we, do we walk with a deep consciousness of God in our lives? When we feel insecure, what is our response? Do we say, Jesus, you're my security. See, in, in everything that comes, when, when we feel attacked, do we just say, Jesus, you're my defender? When we feel like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm broke, I don't have what I need, do we say, Jesus, you're my provider? Or do we say, man, I'm broken. I got nothing. I feel like everything's coming apart. See, it's, it's what we look on, what we focus on. This is when we say Christ be magnified, it means do we do we make Jesus bigger than our situation? So when we go through great times, we got that raise, we got that position. Do we just say, Well, look at me? Or do we say, Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you be magnified. See, in every situation, David, David said, I'm, in every situation, I'm going to worship. And, and that's how we have to live. In the moments we're attacked, we're saying, Jesus, you're my defender. In the moments that we sin, that we stumble and fall and, and, and just mess up, we just say, Jesus, you're my righteousness. In the moments when we're hurt, do we say, Jesus, you're my healer? In every circumstance, what God calls us to do is to, for his praise to be always on our lips. In the good times, we praise Jesus. In the hard times, we praise Jesus. We just always find excuses to praise Jesus. Jesus. It doesn't mean that we ignore the circumstance. I can guarantee you that Stephen was very aware of the circumstance. And he was not backing down. He was calling out the faults and calling out the sins. But at the same time, he said, don't charge this sin to them. He was doing his best to show them their sin. And what they could have done, if you're like, if, if you find yourself sometime, like you're in that place of, man, I'm kind of like those Pharisees. I'm, I'm kind of like the one condemning everybody and pointing out everyone's faults. And then we get confronted with that. Well, how, what is our response? Defend, defend. No, it's not really me. No, I, you know, I, I did it because of out of a good heart. No, we just say, you know what? You're right. And I want to be better. I know I can love better. That's the difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is I'm just a horrible person. They're just a horrible person. They're a failure. I'm a failure. Conviction is I can love better. They can love better. 
What can I do? See, neither one ignores the sin or ignores the fault or ignores the brokenness. But how we deal with it is night and day different. It's all whether we approach it with Jesus or we approach it on our own. That's why it's all about relationship. It's not about knowledge. It's not about behavior. It's about our relationship. Because whether your behavior is good or bad, you need Jesus. Whether you're smart or, you know, not as smart, you need Jesus. We don't have stupid people. No stupid people. Whether you know a lot of scripture or very little scripture, you need Jesus. I love how it says how Saul was there when they were killing Stephen. Because Saul was that guy who, based on the scripture, was out there killing Christians and calling them out and saying, these guys are a mess, let's kill them. And then all of a sudden, he had an encounter with Jesus. And those very same scriptures that caused him to kill Christians caused him to want to go and bring others into Christianity. What was the difference? Same knowledge, same scriptures, same zeal. But all of a sudden, he saw Jesus. And if you don't know what that means, I don't know what, even what that means to see Jesus, to encounter Jesus. Then you just start asking God because he knows. He knows himself. And he knows how to encounter you. And he longs for that. So you're just saying, Jesus, I want to know you. If you say, I have no idea what it means to love Jesus. I, I pray this prayer often. I just say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And sometimes my heart doesn't feel any love for Jesus. But I'm just going to keep saying it until my heart changes. I'm not going to let my feelings control who I am. I'm going to let the truth of the word of God control who I am. I'm going to let the truth of what Jesus says control who I am. Because otherwise, I'm not going to be a very good person, not very nice, much of a nice person. I'm the last person you're going to want leading you. But I'm going to call out and say, Jesus, help me. Help me love Jesus. You know, sometimes I think, man, I don't know if God's listened to anything I say because I certainly am not hearing anything he's saying. But I'll just keep saying, my sheep, Lord, you said my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. God, I know I can hear your voice. Help me hear your voice. These are simple prayers that you don't have to know a lot of scripture to pray. You don't have to have been a Christian a long time to pray these prayers. But they are powerful prayers that will transform you from a Saul to a Paul. And they'll give you the power to be a Stephen who in the moment of being, you know, brutally killed, saying, Father, forgive them. I see Jesus in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his death. And the truth is, we're all going to have to die daily, little by little. Meaning, the way I feel, I just to die to that and choose what Jesus wants me to feel. My thoughts, what I think is right, I'm just gonna, my desire to just pay someone back, I just have to die to that desire. And just say, Jesus, what do you want me to do? That's the church that God is calling us to be. They always say you should close with a, a, a sermon with a poem. So since I rarely do that, here's a poem to close us with. It's called The Set of the Sail. It says, one, set, one ship sails east and another west. By the self-same winds that blow, tis the set of the sails and not the gales that tells the way to go. Like the winds of the sea are the waves of time as we journey, uh, journey along through life. Tis the set of the soul that determines the goal and not the calm or the strife. What does that mean? 
It means it's how we set our soul is, is going to determine the direction that we take regardless of the weather around us and the way the winds are blowing. I don't know if you've ever been sailing. I've, I've tried uh, a couple of times and I'm horrible at it. Um, I, I remember the first time that I wanted to go sailing, we were on, pat, we were on those little, um, what do they call them, uh, windsurfers. And so two of us, we rented a windsurfer. And so my friend said, I'm going to take it out and bring it back, and then you go next. I said, okay, great. Now, what I didn't know is that you can, it's, you can catch the wind going out, but you have to learn to tack into the wind to come back. And, that, and that's amazing that you can actually travel in the exact opposite direction of the wind. No matter which direction the wind is blowing, depending on how you set your sail, you can actually head in any direction. But we didn't know that yet. So three or four hours later, he's paddling. The, and all my time, my time was all used up, you know. But it's how you set your soul. Are you going to be a person who magnifies Jesus? That's going to determine where your life ends up. It's not the winds of life, that, the winds that come into your life. It's not the adversity that you face. It's how you set your soul to respond to that that's going to determine where you end up in life. And our desire is that you would end up walking with Jesus, toward Jesus, and bring others along because there's no better way to live forward than with Jesus. Would you stand with me? I want to close with just a simple prayer and, and and walking with jesus really begins with just saying jesus i want you in my life i i need you to forgive me of my sins and heal my brokenness i need you to be the one who sets the cells in my life to be the lord of my life because i want to end up walking with you and end up being like you and so we're going to say just a simple prayer and you can just kind of repeat this prayer in, in your own spirit, in your own soul, in your own mind. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. And I'm so thankful for the gift of Jesus. Father, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, the times I rebel against you, the times I wander off on my own and, and think that uh, choose my own wisdom or my own desires over yours times when I choose things that I just know are wrong and do things that are just a mess. God, I ask that you forgive me. And Lord, the areas of my life that are broken, that I struggle in, God, I'm asking that you would heal those areas. And I thank you that because of the cross and your great love for me, that you've promised to do that in me too. That if I confess my sins, you'll forgive me of my sins. And that you heal the brokenhearted and you set the oppressed free. And so I invite you, Lord Jesus, do it in my life. Be the Lord of my life. Be the one who sets the sails in my life. That through every wind, uh, the, 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 the following winds that, that, that fill my cells and, and, the, and, and the winds of adversity that seem like they're against me, God, that through all the winds of life, I would continue on towards you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We pray this message spoke to you and built your faith. For more messages like this, visit our website at everynationtaipei.com. You can also send a prayer request and reach out to us anytime. God bless you. Till next time.